0: We are in the book of um, Revelation, and we say we're going to take some time to look at the seven churches specifically. Um, Some of you have read through, I gave you the homework, and you read through, and some have told me that you can't do it in a half hour. Okay, so I was, let me hedge my bet a little bit there. I got a call from, from Leroy back there. He said, <laughs> "He said I finished the homework. He said I kind of I kind of get the first chapter, and I kind of get the last chapter, but I'm having t- a hard time with everything in the middle." And I had to agree with him. It, it, but um, I I think I can do a, a quick of the whole book, this revelation of Jesus. In the first chapter, we see that Jesus is the sovereign God, the Alpha and the Omega, the one who was and is and is to come. And in the last chapter, we learn that Jesus is the sovereign God, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last we learned that Jesus is God in the first, and we learned that Jesus is God in the last. Um, we learned that all things started with Him in chapter one, and all things will end when He wins in chapter 22. And in between that first chapter and that last chapter, all hell breaks loose. I mean, literally. All hell breaks loose. So there you go. It's as easy as that. Just in the remember, in the midst of all the stuff that's going on in the world today, um, our God is still on the throne. Our God will win. In fact, my scriptures tell me he already has. Satan is defeated. Jesus is sovereign. Your sins have been atoned for. There is a place for you in heaven. As we sang, a a room set aside for us. And we think of Micah's passing. um, He's got a room set aside for him. From eternity, that room was made for him. We miss him at this home, but we surely wouldn't begrudge him the home he's got. So we have hope. Revelation chapter 2. The first church you want to look at is the church of Ephesus. Um, As I was thinking through the passage... I was struck that, and reminded that we here in America—if not—and um, I think Jim might agree with me—we um, live in a, whether it's in America or in Europe, we live in a post-Christian, uh, post-Bible-centered world. It used to be that we were kind of at the center of things, and now we've been pushed to the periphery and beyond. The good news is the church always seems to work best on the periphery, not when we are in the center of town with the steeple, but from the outside looking in. But we live in a post-Christian society. We can't expect the culture around us to look like us. It just does not We can't expect it to act like Christians because they are not. They don't know this book anymore. The scriptures tell us that we are a peculiar people. You are all really odd in our world today. The world can't understand while you are in this room. Well, we live in a post Christian society. The people of Ephesus really lived in a pre Christian society. Christianity was just starting in that hundred year period. This was probably written uh, maybe 43 years or so after the time that the Apostle Paul went to bring the gospel. He stayed in Ephesus for three years. Ephesus was a a cultural hotbed of uh, religiosity. The temple of Diana, Artemis, was in the uh, center of the city. It was in the crossroads. People from every nation would come through the city They focused on their what we would call false demonic worship. It was a rich city. It had food from all sorts of places. The good, the bad, and the ugly came to Ephesus. It wasn't too much unlike uh, our cities today especially of our key cities like Los Angeles or San Francisco or New York. It was a hard place. And Paul spent three years there forming and building the church, and he leaves young Timothy there as its pastor The, the the temple of diana was all off, already set aside as an asylum for criminals if you were a murderer and could get to the temple of diana you were safe so you can imagine the type of populace that made up ephesus It was a tough place. And in the midst of Ephesus, this place that really doesn't know Christ at all, there was a church. And Jesus tells John to send a message to the angel of the church in Ephesus and uh, that word angel simply means messenger and sometimes it refers to a heavenly messenger it can often refer to just the messenger even here we would say the the pastor Uh, Jesus saying I want you to send a message to the church to its leadership to its pastor and yes to its angel as well This is the words of him who holds the seven stars. Remember the the spirit, the angels there. And who walks among the seven golden lampstands. And those lampstands we read last week refer to the church. In verse 2, he says, Jesus speaking here, I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance. And you cannot bear those who are evil. But you have tested those who call themselves apostles or not, and you have found them to be false. I know that you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. The church in Ephesus was a great church. It fought against evil. It found out false teachers and put them aside. They were patient. They endured. They had not grown weary in the work. They did it for Jesus. But, Jesus says, I have this against you. you have abandoned the love you had at first. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Now often we see this and said they left their love for Jesus. But that's not what Jesus says here. He says you abandoned the love that you had at first, and the word there is that they abandoned that work. He will go on later, and he will say, "Um, remember where you have fallen from. Repent, and do the works that you did at first. We have to ask ourselves the question, what are the works that Ephesus, the Christian church in Ephesus did, that they have moved away from? And I'm going to uh, submit this to you, that they stopped loving people. You remember God's command. We've looked at it often. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And you should love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said in his prayer in John 17, he says, Father, may they be one. May they experience our love. May they experience that love in the midst. And as they love one another, the world will know that I am sent. You see, loving one another both inside the walls of the church and outside of the walls of the church is one of the greatest evangelistic tools that the Holy Spirit has given us. And when we st- stop loving each other, when we stop loving the people afterward outside the walls, and I'm hoping it wasn't something I said, but anyway, um, if we stop loving those people, they start to look at the church and find all of its faults. So Jesus is saying, I want you to return to that love that you had for for each other, that love you had for those outside of my family. I want you to remember what your life was like before you knew me. You remember how you were lost and you were in darkness and life made no sense to you. You worried about every little thing. You worried that you were worshiping the right God in the right way. And then you met me. And your sins were forgiven. And your life was changed. And I filled you up with my love. Remember that you weren't so hot before you met me. You didn't have it all together. You weren't the best thing. You were were fallen. So Jesus says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to remember where you've fallen from. I want you to repent. That is confessing to God, we are not doing the things that you called us to do. And then I want you to do the work she did at first. When you were so excited about me that you just had to tell everybody and love everybody. It didn't matter who they are, what they looked like or what they wore, who they worshiped, you just love them. Jesus says, If you don't, I will come to you and I will remove its lampstand from its place unless you repent. Now, I don't think that Jesus is saying here, you'll lose your salvation. But I do believe Jesus says I, you will lose your effectiveness that salt and light that I said you were the light will go out you will lose your effectiveness in this great city which I placed you um As of late I have been the spirit and I have been struggling I'm waiting for him to put my hip out of place We we've, we've been fighting about what I'm supposed to be doing, where I'm supposed to be, what does God want for me, is, is what we're doing here the best thing that we can do, and what is my place and what is not my place, and lots of questions. And I was praying over that, writing out stuff in my journal, and you can tell how... Uh, tough things are by how scribbly the writing gets. It starts out really well, and by the end, you can't read it. But then God spoke to me in incredibly clear voice. Randall, I don't need you. Get out of the center. It's not about you. I don't need you. Randall, I can take you out of the picture and my kingdom will still be established. My will will still be done. I will be no less God. I want to use you, Randall. I can use you, but my work will go on without you. Here's the, here's the hard thing for us, Church. God set us here. God has allowed this church to be here to love. To love not just one another in this pew who loves to have fellowship together, but loves the people outside, the people who who um, dress differently than you, the people who stand culturally apart from you the person who um whose sexual preferences are different than you the one who does not line up on your side of the political aisle the one who worships different than you as jesus talks about here he kind of sums them up, I think, in this name, the Nicolaitans. And nobody has the foggiest idea who these people are. The people of Ephesus did, but nobody wrote that down. But it's interesting what Jesus says. He says, and yet, even though you have stopped doing what you had done at first... Yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And we say, see, God hates people. He hates the sinners who stand uh, condemned against him. And therefore, we should too. But please notice what Jesus says and what he doesn't say. He says, I hate the works of the Nicolaitans. But nowhere does he say he hates the Nicolaitans. He can't. He loves them. He died for them. He has still given them time to experience his love, to repent and come before him. Someone once used that um, bumper sticker theology, which isn't always good, but might work in this case. Hate sin, love the sinner. Hate sin. Hate that which stands against God's word, but love the sinner. They don't look like you, they don't speak like you, they don't act like you, but we still love them. We don't have to set down any of our convictions. We don't have to change any of those. We don't have to give up on Scripture. We don't have to lighten up. No, we can hold to the, traditions, to the convictions of Scripture and still have compassion. Jesus did that, didn't he? Jesus never lightened up on the Word of God. In fact, the ones that Jesus really got with, got most angry with were who? The religious leaders who should have known better, but weren't doing what God told them to do. But he loved the woman caught in adultery. He loved the woman at the well. He touched the leper. He went to the unlovely. He went to the messy people. You who have an ear, hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Um, Boy, wasn't that a fun passage! But one more thing that I say in utmost seriousness church of Bethesda. God doesn't need you. Like the church of Ephesus, God says, if you don't return, if you don't repent, if you don't do the things that I have commanded you to do, I will remove your lampstand. not easy things to hear. Just like it wasn't easy for my last week to hear, Randall, I don't need you. But Randall, I want to use you if you remember where you've come from and repent of your sins and do the works that I called you to do. Works that you did. So I want to I told Linda it would be a hard sermon today because my story is, my preaching story usually is, and I hope you understand this, is that God is all love and he really loves you and and he's crazy in love with you. That's usually my sermon. But So this is tough. But we have to hear it. I have to hear it. You have to hear it. The people online have to hear it. But God has given us a work to do. And he wants to... Keep our lampstand lit. He wants to, remember the picture in chapter one, he walks amongst the lampstands. Jesus is walking amongst Bethesda. He trims the wick, he keeps our light shining. The last thing in his heart would be to take the lampstand away. But let us not take our position lightly. The church is not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. His kingdom, his will, is what we pray for. So, Here's what we want you to do. Here's the homework for this week. Keep reading through Revelation and then pray. Pray that God would give you a heart for those you really don't like. And we all have them. And then ask the Holy Spirit the dangerous question or the dangerous request. Put me in situations, Holy Spirit, where I have to love them. Not with your love, but with the love of Jesus.